Hello everyone, welcome to King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony with me. As always, we have John. Um, it's the first week of July, maybe the second week. That's the first week since we recorded. First week we've talked since free agency opened up. First time we've talked since Summer League started. The California Classic, Keegan Murray going off at the Golden One Center. You know, we got some things to talk about today, John. How was your fourth? It was it was good. I just couldn't wait to get back to you, Tony. I can't wait to get back to this podcast. I mean, this is, you know, what I wake up for every morning. Just <laughs> hope and looking forward to the day that we can hop on the podcast. That's right. And talk about how the Kings maybe didn't make a splash by any means, but they're in a pretty decent position, I think, to uh, build off of the success of last season. Yeah, they extended Barnes, which did not excite a lot of people. Well, it didn't excite everybody. A lot of people did recognize, I think, the good in that. But Yeah, it was like, with the Barnes thing, you just want to jump straight into that. Since that was the first thing that happened since the last time we talked. <laughs> I don't know. Like Looking back on the Barnes situation, like, I mean, I saw a lot of people being like, oh, like let's sign Barnes, like, for twelve million, I was like, "What? What world is that going to happen?" Yeah. Like, it gets it's, it's an NBA starter who shot thirty nine percent from three last year. Plays like both forward positions. He's a pretty versatile defender. He's got all the you know shrewdness and experience in the world. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, exactly. Someone was going to sign Barnes for more if they wanted to. Um, so I never saw that as realistic. I mean, some people don't like the eighteen million, but then like you know. You saw who Jeremy Grant signed for thirty-two million. Like, yeah, Harrison Barnes isn't as good as Grant, but he's not—he's not far off. I mean, he's not totally far off. I mean, I think Harrison Barnes is closer to Jeremy Grant than Jeremy Grant is to like Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and it, there was a couple other contracts that really put it into perspective. Um, I don't know at that small forward position exactly, but there's a lot of big contracts out there in free agency on that first day and. Barnes' contract after that it looked minimal. Really? Yeah. Well, that's how it works. I mean, he's basically not getting paid much difference than what he was, but money is such that, you know, value only goes up, especially in this league. It, it's, it spikes up quickly. And so, like, in terms of the specific cost of Barnes, it's, you're not getting ripped off. You're not no. splurging. You're not doing anything like that. It just seemed to fit right into things and we were talking about it in the last episode it's just you have to think about you know the the big picture here and Barnes fits into the big picture relative to what the options were you're not going to sign Kuzma for whatever how much did he yeah that's another contract I think 30 million no I I think it was like 25 (laughs) but still it's just like for like four years I think he had the Draymond contract I think they both got four or a hundred right and Draymond's a little bit of a different case, but yeah. um, and that was never going to happen. <laughs> Draymond of <laughs> the Kings, but uh, we indulged people with that last time. But just considering everything that they had to do this offseason, everything that that they'll have to do later on in, in terms of uh, keeping guys that they have on rookie deals now in the future. I mean, you have Kuzma on the books in a couple of years, and you need to resign, you know, name whoever Davion or at a bigger expense, Keegan Murray, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And things get a little thornier, but the Barnes thing's far more manageable. And what we also kept saying last week was it's like, if you did need to move money around, it's far easier to move an $18 million contract than it is a $25 million 
a year contract. So, and you know what's so funny talking about this? You kind of remind me of something. <laughs> it was like we're talking about like saving money for the future because maybe we need to resign Murray with having Sabonis and Fox on now Max's. Um, I remember having the same conversation like four years ago where, where it's like, well, you got to save money for Fox's max. You got to save it for Buddy's max. Marvin Bagley's probably going to need a max in four yeah, years. Yeah, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. Yeah, but no, it, it feels different though in a good way. It's like, I mean, obviously Fox and Sabonis are legit max guys and have their maxes for a reason. Keegan Murray, you know, you can't get too far ahead, but I mean, he's definitely going to be another discussion today. Mm-hmm. Um, with this summer league play, but sorry, getting back no, to what no, you're no. saying. That is essentially the point in itself, right there. I mean, Barnes, as much as you wanted to, I guess going in another direction, there was probably more appealing to people was the trade market, going after an OG Ananobi or something like that, and but you'd have to give up Murray <laughs> at that point. It yeah. kind of all comes back to Murray in a way, but um, you know. In terms of the future plans, the full window of things, even if Barnes is, you know, on the wrong side of 30, even if he didn't excite people with his performance in the playoffs, and it really did the quite the opposite of that. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of keeping the window as big as possible, believe it or not, extending Barnes relative to what was available, that was the way to do it. Because you'd be shortening your window, or at least putting yourself in danger of shortening or limiting your window had you gone for a big old move like that. Monty McNair swung for the fences when he got DeMontis Sabonis. He waited for his pitch. He hit it. He's not going to swing at something outside the zone. He's not going to swing at a freaking 3-0 count. So Yeah, and like telling you all right now, Kuzma or Jeremy Grant at 32 mil a year over five years, well, that was not going to... And Jeremy Grant's almost 30. Yeah, and I like Grant. I really like Grant. I think Grant would fit in great. If they could have gotten him last offseason, that would have been awesome. Yeah, but it's just, yeah, it's just it's just too much. You, you can't spend that much money on a guy, and it's just going to hinder your cap space going forward. And the Kings, I like McNair, because in a, in, a, in a league of super teams right now, where you sign everyone right now, I, Monte not only has the, you know, they're now on his mind, but he also has a long term on his mind, and that's what I appreciate about him. Right, and he always wants to be aggressive yet disciplined. As cliche as that sounds, I mean, he's embodied. it's something you don't see a lot right now in the NBA. I mean, like the Warriors just went after Chris Paul. I mean, they're they're all all in, you know. And I'm not saying they're the only team, but I mean, the Suns getting Bradley Beal. You mm-hmm. just you, you want all the talent you can get, and so going after a Kuzma, sure, that'll make you better. Right now, it won't make you better. You know, in three or four years. And we even made the argument last week that just based on the style of play of Kuzma and just kind of how much he actually succeeds with the ball in his hands and whatnot, as a connecting piece, even if you're talking about a third star, you still want that kind of connecting factor to things. I don't know if he really fits that. No, he so doesn't. He, would he have actually made the team better at $25 million a year for the price? Probably not. No. Barnes fits this play style. I mean, you didn't need another ball-dominant guy. You mm-hmm. needed... That's why I like OG Ananobi and Michael Bridges or Mikel. I don't even know what he's saying. McCall. Is it McCall? We get a lot of comments like, I don't even know to say his name right. <laughs> I really, Turned I, it off as soon as he called I'm him like, Michael. I really have no idea. <laughs> but um, I think you should call it the way you want to call it. Mikel, you call it something, don't Mikel let other Bridges. people. But it's like, yeah. No, you go ahead. <laughs> it's just different. Well, it's like, they, we were all over them. It's like, well, they actually could fit into that small forward position while being like on the better side of the small forwards. They could also take that third option. Um, 
Well, I don't think Kuzma can. And I, I think that's and another guy we talked about on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. Like, well, like, Kelly Oubre, the small forward position, take him. I mean, of course, that guy scored 25 points. Or, 25. He scored 20 points a game last season, and he hasn't been signed yet. He's no. Only, well, he's he, got, he scored 20 when a bunch of guys got hurt. Exactly. His role had to be Because what would his role be as not? Yeah. And just I think, like Kuzma. I'm surprised was, he hasn't been signed yet, though. It's interesting kind of things. Like, a bunch of stuff happens in the first couple of days, and things kind of calm down, and uh, people assess. Maybe Summer League has something to do with that. But, I don't know. Interesting. Good you brought him up. I almost forgot. Yeah. I saw it this morning. It's like, Kelly Uber is not. like, here's a 20 point per game guy who's 27 who hasn't been signed. I'm like, who are they talking about? Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, Kelly. Well, it's probably because like on the market, people don't value him in a 20 million. Or 20, uh, 20 point plus. I wonder score. what he's asking. I wonder what he's asking. God, he's probably asking for 18 or 20 million. Probably. I mean, I think when he... Ventured from the Warriors, and he didn't have like the greatest year with Golden State. He was asking, for, I don't, I don't know. He was all I know is there's a bit of a track record with Ubre where he demands a little bit more, whether it's money, um, uh, usage, or um, you know, opportunity with the ball in his hands, whatever it is. He's always demanding a little bit more than he's probably deserving of. <laughs> if if would you sign Ubre as a backup for ten mil? Yeah, I mean. I, t- I mean, but I mean, I don't think that the Kings need that now, obviously. So considering what the Kings have on the roster, no. But like if the Kings had a huge void, like if they were in the situation last year, and it's like, we need a backup to Barnes, and so you can get Oubre for $10 million, I, it, it piques your interest. But I think considering everything that is current right now, it's probably best just to stay away from him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you, you got... Um, I don't think you have a... I wouldn't say that the Kings know who their number two at the three mm-hmm. uh, is for sure, but they have a ton of options. And they have a ton of options that have a ton of upside. Ubre is like 28, 29. He'll be 28. Yeah, so you're kind of getting to... You've seen what you've seen out of Ubre. So I do think he would be a good bench option, but considering what the Kings have, I, I kind of see what they're doing. Yeah, maybe less than 10 mil. I'd jump over it. Yeah. Once you hit double digits. Because I don't know. I, I'm not sold on X. I mean, kind of moving on in a way. It's like, because a couple more moves that happened were that Darte got traded to the Kings, Chris Darte, and it got released today that he got traded for a 28 and 30, or 2028, 2030 second round pick. So two second rounders for Darte. I mean, it's not terrible. Yeah, well, this almost kind of uh, illustrates the lesson of you don't you don't go head over heels over a guy because mm-hmm. the Kings wanted him in the Sabonis trade. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. And now they're getting him for two seconds. Yes. They're getting a guy that has injury history, is maybe not necessarily going to fill the role that they need him. or He could fill the role, but I guess during due to the injuries, you know, he's not necessarily a promise to fill a role at the wing. But you're getting a guy for two second round picks that could end up being a high, uh, low risk high reward move. Yeah. Which kind of seems That's a Monty char- move. That seems like a, a characteristic Monty move. move. That that really does. And we were talking about with Kessler Edwards and that totally ended up being the epitome of that and Duarte could supersede that. I think right now we'll see, but you know, hey, you got a guy for 2 seconds that was considered untouchable. Untouchable. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the report was that the Pacers would not include Darte in a trade 
with the Sacramento Kings for Halliburton. And, it, and it's so funny. Two years later, it's like, here's two second rounders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For this guy. I mean, I get it. He's injury prone. And uh, I mean, he didn't have the great greatest season last year. Because I remember his rookie season. Everyone was like, man, this guy's so good. Cause he, he's older, too, for a third-year player now. I think he was old, obviously, as a rookie, if he's old now. Um, I think he was like a 23-year-old-ish rookie. Mm-hmm. Like a Stetson Bennett out of Georgia. But um, college football, no one understood that. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know where he's going with that. Well, I mean, <laughs> just off of that, I mean, he did, to his credit, kind of like begin to change the narrative on like, well, do you do you take a chance in the first round or an older rookie? Da- how, Davion was a Davion was he was a senior, and that was he was what pick number. 10 or 12? 11. 11. Okay. 12? He might have been 12. Something in that range. So kind of like later lottery. But yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that either. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but It's um, just that, you know, Darte, I mean, at the end, it's bringing us back to Darte. I mean, he saw his potential, even though if he's an older third-year player. I mean, I think he's going to be 26. As a third-year player, you're usually thinking like 22, 23. Um, and one of the things I like about him is that, you know, and this could be a knock on some guys. Uh, like he doesn't have necessarily like a strength that could develop into some kind of an elite thing. He's twenty. He'll be twenty six. He'll be twenty six. <laughs> or he is twenty six. He'll be twenty seven. Sometime this <laughs> right, year. Right. Right. But that is one of the things that I kind of like about him is that he he doesn't have like I guess like his calling card is like a mix of things, which I think in terms of like being a role player. And obviously, McNair and company likes what they see out of him. A lot of people like what they see out of him. I'm sure that you take the injuries out of the equation, things are a lot different. He might still be untouchable, but you know he's he, he's gonna have he's gonna be in a position to do a lot of different things. Whether that means playing off ball on offense, playing a little on ball on offense, I don't really know how many uh, opportunities there will be for that, with given the amount of talent that the Kings have in on ball oper- uh, uh, guys that can 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 handle that and be a playmaker. But also on the defensive end, he can do a little bit. There's a little bit of everything, and it's kind of a wait-and-see approach. I think one of the things that's interesting about Duarte is physically, play-style-wise, he's not far off from Colby Jones. They're both like a little undersized for the wing. They're not quite point guards, kind of combo guards that guard the wing, again, to kind of use that description. And it kind of puts you in a position where Duarte could come into camp take minutes, take the primary minutes at that role, that Terrence Davis role, if you want to call it that. I always love that. It's a Terrence Davis Terrence role. Terrence Davis role or the KZ Akpala role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? That third guy probably gets some minutes. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like how we have a word. Everyone does now, though. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's a Terrence Davis role. Yeah. And that one makes a lot of sense because Terrence Davis really was kind of in that awkward kind of alternate man in the rotation. Is he yeah. in? Is he out? But... Seems like if I had a bet, Duarte would get that. It just puts you in a position where you might be able to get more out of him with a different situation and with the best training staff in the league. I think that's an important note. Yeah, that is true. It's, we'll see how much that pays off. Everybody could get, end up getting hurt next season. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know. Um, could be like the 49ers in 2020. But, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of see what you can get. And then if injuries do come up, if maybe he's not as fruitful as you'd like him to be in the role, then the opportunities will start to fall in a rookie Colby Jones's lap. And, you know, Colby Jones is a second round pick, but kind of the first round pick in everybody's mind. He got the contract of a first round pick, essentially. It's just kind of going to be nice to not put anything on anyone's shoulders. And so 
while Duarte doesn't excite, it gives you versatility, it gives you options, and it really does further the depth. We talked about this team last season being deep, and they were, you know, if you're talking about Terrence Davis being a guy that could be in a lot of teams' rotations, and he's kind of on that fringe of the rotation. I think the way it is now, uh, you're, you're, you're essentially your, your feature pick from the draft, <laughs> your main acquisition in free agency. I mean, it was a trade, but, you know, you're kind of throwing these guys together, and nobody's promised anything, and I think, you know, iron sharpens iron, and mm-hmm. it's going to be good, and I just think the team is way deeper now. Yeah, and I think an important note to point out about Duarte is that he's he's played with Sabonis before. Yeah, which I didn't even think about. Yeah, and it's maybe it was only half a season before he got traded. Um, you know, he could have come over with Sabonis, but you know, Pacers said he he would not be included. But something important to note is that per per hundred per one hundred possessions with Sabonis. Duarte averaged 24 points per game, 3.8 assists, and shot 39% off of three-pointers uh, off of Sabonis' passes. And you're like, yeah, well, I mean, I could too with Sabonis initiating the offense. But it kind of just shows that he, he's going to fit the system well. I mean, Sabonis is the offense at the end of the day. Um, and it seems like he's going to fit the system well too. He's going to fit right in. And I think that it's nice to know too. Yeah. I mean, how did that work out for Justin Holiday? Uh, <laughs> That's a great point. Um, Justin Holiday can hit, but Holiday did kind of hit the end of the road for his career. I think, unfortunately. I mean, where is he now? I don't think he's. He, he was with Dallas at the end of last season. Was he? Yeah, I, I think. Th- I think he's. He was throwing up. Dude, I was so. Too. I was so pumped to get Justin Holiday. I like, loved Justin Holiday when he was just like that. Not in the rotation with the Warriors. I think he signed with the Sixers or something after that. Or maybe I'm thinking uh, of brother Atlanta. of his, Atlanta. Really. Yeah. Oh, actually, the Warriors. There you got Yeah. Atlanta. And then, because he, he ended up getting traded to Atlanta with the Herder deal. So that's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, huh? But, um, yeah, I just always like Justin Holiday. I, dude, I mean, oh. going in, I mean, he's going to go into Justin Holiday. But, to, but to, to give Duarte some credit off of that, he's not Justin Holiday. He, Justin Holiday is a spot up three point shooter with some, he was a two way, three and D guy. That's pretty much the extent of what he did. Duarte's mm-hmm. a little bit more than that. He can handle the ball. He can create for other people. Granted, that's not... Nothing he does is elite, but he does a little bit of everything. Yeah. So he, he he's going to have a chance to hold his own, and I do actually kind of anticipate him getting minutes over a guy like Colby Jones to start, at least. I mean, he should. I As long as Chris Duarte can stay healthy and consistent, I, I mean, I think he's going to get a lot more minutes than we're going to give him credit for. I mean, he was... Super good as a rookie. He there was a lot of potential in this guy. Yeah. Hit a wall last year. I mean, if he can stay healthy, I think his consistency will you know stay consistent. I don't know what the word is, but um, he'll stay consistent. I guess is what I should have said. Well, I think a, the consistent role is important. A consistent because, role as well because yeah. you get Halliburton there. Halliburton is such a good primary ball handler, one of the best in the league, even at his age. His his contract extension speaks to that. Yeah. And I read somewhere from a Pacers outlet that was like, you know, Duarte is a little, his role is a little different now because you have like such a key like feature. Your best player is, is Tyrese Halliburton now. Yeah. That wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. You could play Duarte with, you know, a facilitating big man and he would it would mesh a little bit better. It's a little different when you have, you know, Tyrese Halliburton in the backcourt. So maybe some more consistency into the role and what he's expected to do will help him kind of be able to produce. So off of that note, I mean, things 
it will be easier for him to be consistent. I mean, granted, he has to stay healthy, but the role is going to be far more specific, I think, which should probably help his cause. Yeah, probably. So, yeah. I, I think it was, I mean, one of the best moves so far. Yeah, I mean it can't I, hurt. I mean it's hard. It's hard to compare because everything else was just a re-sign. <laughs> but I mean, uh, it was nice to bring in a fresh face that we weren't expecting, and be happy with it too. Yeah, you know, maybe not the most exciting move, but I think it's, it's solid. I think, I think more people were more excited than you're giving them credit for. Yeah, yeah. I think they were just like you know. I mean, Chris Darday had a lot of pulls rookie year. He, yeah. they were talking about this guy. Like, yeah, he kind of fell off last year, but people remember and. They remember that potential. Yeah, true, true. I think, and he was untouchable in the Sabonis exactly. trade. I mean, that, that's that context. It's different. I mean, that's right there. Yeah, that's directed us effect, directed directly affected us. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also signed, re-signed Alex Len, which is is nice, cool, nice, um, yeah, but. Yeah, I don't want to. Kind of using this as an opportunity to kind of transition <laughs> between the free agency start period and the California Classic. There's been a lot of talk about Nemus Keita being the third center, and um, I mean I third I'm, or fourth, third or fourth to start. I think it's it'll important be to note, fair because yeah, you're saying you'd be behind Lyles mm-hmm. because Lyles you have that option of a smaller. Five. Well, you brought in Vezinkov, the two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The whole thing. But um, the, the important note about Keita is that he did not get a two-way contract. There's a two-way contract still open. There's three available. The first two, they resigned Keon Ellis to one. They gave Slauson one. There goes my thought about Slauson being on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> but um, things change quickly in the offseason, as we know. But um, Keita, it's a little less clear. His future's not certain. I take that as kind of an... A thing is, well, let's see what he does and see how much improvement he shows uh, in, in live basketball action. It's his last opportunity to play in summer league because he's a third-year player as a pro. It's off after three years? If I, Yeah, unless they change that, but I think that's still the case. No, oh, okay. Um, so it's getting to that decision time. And I just don't see the argument for putting him in the rotation. I, mean, I don't see the argument for putting him on the team. I don't see the argument for him playing in the NBA. I think he's got a great thing going on in the G League. His consistency, his ability to make decisions, his body control, all sorts of things are just not NBA level. No. And, and, and quite frankly, at his age, at this stage in his career, it's not ever going to be. No. I don't believe in it. You, you wish it would be, and you hope it's there, because he was you know drafted with Davion three years ago now. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're right, it's, it's not going to happen. It's you would have seen improvement. <laughs> it just hasn't improved. And it's just his body, I guess. And the main thing, I mean, in that first California classic game against the Warriors, he had like five fouls in like fourteen minutes of play. And it's like he ended up having seven. Because in those games you can I think you don't foul out until you get ten. Just generous. It's a ten. Really? I think they should make it six or seven. I it, it, should be seven. S- it should be close. Maybe it was at one point, but they were like, Yeah, it's ten. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, are you trying to teach these guys anything? Yeah, I know, for real. And one of the things Luke Lux talked about, I think Brennan Nunes prompted him on it, just kind of talking about uh, you know, defending physically without fouling, and he's talking about like two of the big things that are important for this team going forward is 
the connectivity, which they're doing very well, players kind of getting together in the offseason. They did that last year. They're doing it this year. Um, and the other thing is physicality. You saw it in the playoffs. To varying degrees, sometimes it was good against the Warriors. Sometimes it wasn't so good against the Warriors. And you saw it throughout the season. There'd be a lot of times early on in the season when the physicality was nowhere to be seen. It was a little more prevalent later in the season, but still not super consistent. But that physicality, as important as it is, you cannot disrupt that by fouling all the time. Mm-hmm. And that is my biggest qualm with Kata is he just fouls all the time. I think he, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you look at his like fouls per 40, you know, per 36 minutes, they're not good. Let me see. I mean, I mean even in the NBA, I know it's pretty bad. But yeah, I mean, he, he fouls way too much. Yeah, and you just think about that role too. You need to be the spark of energy. You can't go in there and start fouling and slowing things down. You just can't. And I think there's, there's you'll hear people say that they're a fan of Keita. Of course they're a fan of Keita. He has some shot-blocking ability. He has some uh, degree of athleticism. He can be really good on the boards and can be kind of crafty around the rim we've seen. We saw all last season him being crafty around the rim. We're seeing him be crafty around the rim this year. And he's actually kind of finishing with his left hand a little better this year. But still, the things that, you know, that, that stuff doesn't keep you on the floor if you're fouling, if you're being inconsistent, which is another big thing. And I don't know. I just feel like the, the, the Keita thing is more out of hope than anything. It is. I mean, I... <laughs> I love Kings fans, but they love young players and they want them to be the next big thing. And I think they see it in Kata. It's like, well, second in G League MVP voting and shot blocker, seven foot one guy. I mean, he he shows, he has, you know, I think he had potential. And so it's like, it's, it's easy to get like stuck with him. It's like, no, he's the, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the next big center. I, I, it's lasted this way forever. Maybe with a winning attitude and a winning... Um, you know, just winning in general. That'll change now, but Kings Kings fans tend to get stuck yeah. on their young players. And Kata right now, younger, you know, newly drafted players, he still falls in line with that. Yeah. And it's just like, also it's, you know, in the summer league, they, they try to just run the same offense for the Kings. And so a lot of things is... Keita operating at the top of the key, doing DHOs, passing it off and setting a screen, whatever. And you can see, you can just see by watching him that the processing speed is subpar. It's not good. And I don't necessarily think that, well, if the Kings needed him to play in the NBA, that they would force that role onto him. But I think that's a huge factor. I mean, like, do they want to deal with that? I mean, like, Len isn't a facilitator, but Len's smart with the ball. He's a great screen setter. He has a great feel for the game. He's been around it forever, you know. Um, Keita doesn't really offer any kind of much of a uh, alternative kind of, like, benefit. Well, you'll say shot blocking. The Kings need shot blocking. You hear Luke Luck say it, just like Mike Brown. I'm not a big fan of shot blocking. I think he'd be better off getting a better position and guarding as a team, things like that. You can't just get Keita in there and think that's going to solve all your issues on interior defense, especially if he's going to foul all the time. <laughs> you know, What's the point if you can't play him 10 to 15 minutes because he's fouling all the time? What, I mean, what's the point if you got to, you know, if, if he's giving Sabonis rest by fouling and stopping the game and giving Sabonis like <laughs> extra time because there's stoppages in play, that's a horrible reason to be putting him out there. But that might be the only reason that he's helpful. <laughs> I'm not trying to be grim and mean, and I'm sure he's a. I'm not. You know, this is strictly on him as a player relative to the NBA, but it's just like 
I don't know. And he's awkward still. He's physically awkward. I don't know if he ever grew into his body the right way. Mm-hmm. But those are just my thoughts. <laughs> Let me know if you disagree or agree. People have strong opinions about Kata. They either like him or they don't believe in him. I mean, yeah. I, I think I'm just realistic. Like, like yeah, I said, I, I want to be, like, I want him to be good. I want him to be able to play at the NBA level. But it's his, he's going into his third year yet in, in the summer league games, which are, you know, they're summer league games, but, you know. You can tell a lot. I mean, yeah. Murray scored 41, which he should have regardless of, you know, whatever. Right, right. So right. it's like, you know, he's still awkward against guys who've never played in the NBA. G League, International League talent. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's very telling. I, I don't think Kata will ever make that step. And it's finally time I realize that. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see what happens in Vegas. Maybe he shows some things. Maybe he has that three-point shot that he's... <laughs> I don't think it matters. I, I don't think I don't think Cato will show anything in summer league. I, I, what can I, you show in summer league based on what you just said? Exactly. It's just agree. we have Sabonis. I think Trey Lyles honestly will be the primary backup five with Keegan Murray and Vezinkov at the four, and then you have Alex Lynn. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, but based off the California Classic, getting into a far more positive note here. Um, because everybody likes positivity. And why wouldn't you be positive about this Kings team? Keegan Murray decided to go ahead and play in the California Classic. He won't be playing in Vegas. Mm-hmm. He'll travel with the team and continue being a team leader, which he's been with this group of guys. But we saw from Keegan Murray a 29-point game followed up by a 41-point game. Just a man amongst boys. I mean, yeah. like, it's one of those things where when I found out that he was playing in summer league, I'm like, what fucking universe is a first team all, you know, rookie who broke the record in three pointers, who started for a playoff team and like struggled at the beginning of the playoff series and then persevered and got, ended up being one of the best impact players in the final couple of games. How does that guy go up and have to play in summer <laughs> league? Why well, it's not like he's Chet Holmgren and got hurt, you yeah. know? Um, it seems so wrong, and, you know, he, he just, he's been killing it. He's been killing it. He's been showing off what he can do with the ball in his hands, how he can get to the different spots, you know, with his control of the ball, uh, what he can do on defense, guarding smaller players in space, running the floor. I mean, I think one of the greatest things that you hear about is what Luke Locke said after the Warriors game was that he and Lester Keones, I think Keones hit three and like, looked in like Murray's face and then Murray like answered back and then said something to him and like Lux was like that's just like that's just awesome that's the kind of stuff you want to see just like puff your chest out type stuff and like you're talking about one of the most like reserved emotionless stoic rookies players out there in Keegan Murray last year never smiled never never you know never got fired up nothing like that and you're kind of seeing that from him and we always talk about him being like a super confident player and, you know, kind of another note that Lux mentioned was that in one of the scrimmages they played, he scored like 18, 19 straight points and had everybody's jaws on the floor mm-hmm. just of how good he is. And I think there's just, it's kind of building up towards this thing where it's like, we're, ta- we're always constantly talking about from the end of that Warriors series to now going forward, what's that leap going to be like? Because it's not just going to be like, you know, a step into the next season. It's going to be a full-blown freaking jump into mm-hmm. the next season. And you're seeing him do all these different things. Will I? Will we see him as much with the ball in his hands? Will we see him doing everything that he's doing now? No, they don't have to make him do that. 
but he's willing to, as he put it, put himself in uncomfortable positions and learn from it. And, I mean, what more do you want to see? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been interesting because, like, since Monty's been in Sacramento, he's had three lottery picks. Well, I mean, this year excluded, but he, he picked three lottery guys who weren't, like, the number one options or, like, even number two, number three. He's, like, using the lottery, it's like, okay, well... This guy's going to be our next big thing, you know, and put the ball in his hands, let him work. Even Keegan Murray as the number four pick, the highest of Monty's picks so far. So it's Keegan with the back roll, all, not back roll, but he was a starter, but definitely third or fourth option. Shoot, yeah, right? he was not a prime, maybe even a fifth option. You know, let him play California Classic and build his confidence, and it's exactly what he did. And I, I, people are like, well, don't let him get hurt, but it's like, I don't know. Man, basketball, dude, let him play. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's nice. Um, it's nice to see him go out there. And, I mean, like we said, we, you, you know the talent he's going up against, but that kind of just confirms what we know he's capable of. I mean, yeah, anyone could, like any NBA player, could potentially score 41 against those guys, but. He's doing it in ways that you don't see him do it in the Exactly. And he, he showed a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Shown a lot more of his tricks and his leadership. He's like more vocal with guys. He's, mm-hmm. he's talked about, um, I think after the Warriors game, he was like, "I'm just trying to be more vocal with guys." I know because I was in a lot of these people's shoes just a year ago. Like this situation as a first year player, not knowing what to expect and all this stuff. So just trying to communicate with them, ask them questions, give them things to look out for before, after games, all these things. It's like, man, this guy. <laughs> it's like. Uh, didn't they always say that between him and Chris, he was the better student? Didn't they? I think so, and I can see why. <laughs> no condemnation of Chris Murray, but damn. I mean, Keegan is just... We talked about it at the beginning of last season. It's like, man, this guy doesn't really act like a rookie. Yeah. And you heard it from his teammates. You heard it from his coaches. And, man, you start talking about that third star thing that you were kind of saying earlier in the podcast. Why put everything at risk when you have one in the making. Yeah. And I think based off what we saw late last year, what we're seeing this summer so far, another thing that I noted, did not know is he put on eight pounds of muscle. Mm. Yeah, he looked big. He I looked was, good. I was going through his pics. I'm like, damn. Damn, don't he's, get too he, excited, Tony. He's got, I mean, I just look at him, it's like, yeah, he got some big arms now. Yeah. He had some veins kind he of. He got some veins. When, yeah. If you got the bicep veins, yeah. that's how you know you're jacked. Yeah. I'm just saying. Eight pounds of muscle is a lot. Yeah. That's pretty pretty significant. I mean, they say eight pounds of muscle. Probably eight pounds in yeah. general. Yeah. But. True. Um, they said Fox put on 10 pounds of muscle, which is honestly impossible. And then he was sucked. that two years ago? Yeah. Was he like, like slowed him down or yeah. whatever? He's like, wait, wait, wait. Well, because it's not 10 pounds of muscle. It's, it's 10 pounds of weight in general. But they say muscle. That's, you know. Can't build muscle that quickly. I'm just saying. I know these stuff. Tony, yeah, Tony's a he's a gym bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Keegan Murray, man. I mean, there's a lot of excitement around him for a reason. And I mean, will he become the third star next season? Maybe not. I don't People, really see him scoring 20 points a game next season. Let me put it. Let me, let me say something that was interesting. Uh, I read I read a quote that Luke Locke said. Um, that basically, like, after he was saying that they saw King score 18 or 19 straight and everyone's jaws were on the floor, mm. a scout came over and came over to him and said that this was, like, the best jump from year one to 
to year two that he's seeing front since Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And then it's like, whoa, that's crazy. So I went to Kawhi's stats. And, you, you know, Kawhi Leonard's a superstar in our league. Um, he only jumped from like 10 to 15 points, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And because, I don't know, you just kind of assumed, especially after that quote, that he would have jumped to like 20 points. So, I mean, even if he can jump to 15, 16 points on a consistent basis and play good defense, I mean, you're DF Herder, you have Barnes, because he was what, 11 points a game last year, 12? Something like that, yeah. But if he can like, consistently be maybe a third option even that sense even just scoring 16 which is i mean we want og ananobi to score 16 you know be here and score 16 play good d if he can just do that on a consistent basis so i mean that's good enough in year three that's when you you get really excited right so i mean mm-hmm. I, I think he can do it too and it, it, i think he showed in summer league a lot i mean yeah his usage rate on the floor was like crazy, obviously, because they just wanted the ball in his hands. But he was showing some stuff. I mean, he hit that crazy step back off the dribble, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. I and mean, he was always good with the float game, but I think he's a lot more better off the bounce now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just showing those improvements to his game where you used to see him just as a catch and shoot guy. Well, now it's like, yeah, he can kind of, he can maybe create, if he can create on his more that he, and like he showed that he could do. I mean, that's just all the makings to make that next step. Yeah, and that's his goal. He wants to. He said he wants to go out there and be able to go out and do it on his own to be able to get a bucket when the team needs a bucket. Yeah. When necessary. And, you know, he doesn't want to just do the right thing just to, for the sake of doing the right thing. He wants to be the best he can in order to do the right thing. He wants to, like, put the maximum impact out there. He's just got a good approach to things and, you know, and yet, like you hear Colby Jones say about him, it's like nobody can speed him up, nobody can change his pace. He's gonna, you know, play at the speed and get to the spots that he wants to get to, the way he wants to, and uh, confident young guy. I don't know. Got to be excited. I mean, there's a lot to be excited for, obviously, with the next season. But you know, you jump from year one to year two for Keegan Murray. Here we are again talking about it. Yeah. So, but I mean, I guess kind of thinking about those two. California Classic games. We could talk a little bit about Keon Ellis, who maybe didn't look 100% great in the first game. Still had some good moments. But in the second game, looked particularly good. I think probably the highlight, defensive highlight from the Kings, Sacramento class or California Classic. <laughs> in Sacramento, uh, the, the defensive highlight for the team was like Keon Ellis like snatching the ball out of, I don't remember who it was, but he like, I don't even know if it was a block or a steal because he just like yeah. Was, <laughs> I think it's technically a block because it's like a shot attempt. Yeah, but it it was a block and a steal in my mind. What is what do they call those blocks or whatever? A, a, a what? When they combine it, they're like yeah, he has like a he has like four blocks per game where they combine the steals and the I've blocks. I've never heard that. Blocks, blocks. People wheels. say that. Yeah, I heard it a lot when I was like reading up on like draft <laughs> prospects. Like, That's if they fine. have a lot of steals and blocks, they'll just combine them into one. Oh, okay. Never heard stocks. it. It's probably stocks. Would it be stocks or bleals? <laughs> I think it's the first one. <laughs> I think it's the first one. But Bradley bleal. <laughs> well, that would be perfect, you know? If they did call those bleals, Bradley bleal. But he's not really known for any of those things. No. Um, but Keon Ellis, I mean, he got one of the two-way contracts... I think that that's kind of... He's probably going to have a little bit... 
you know, again, that roll down in Stockton again with the opportunity to come up. They have, you know, interesting depth up front or uh, up at the top. We were talking about Duarte and Colby Jones getting drafted and stuff like that. But Keon Ellis is going to be another guy that kind of makes that positional group interesting. It'd be interesting to see what he does for the rest of summer league, what he does in training camp. Um, I don't know. Keon Ellis, steady growth. Don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves here. But he's kind of continuing to show that the Kings may know how to develop guys in yeah. a different way. Um, I like Ellis. Uh, I think he's a solid guy. Um, and he was like he was like that 15th guy on the roster all last year. He, he didn't really play in uh, G League, right? He was usually on the bench during games. But him? Ellis? Yeah. Uh, didn't he win the G League like All-Star MVP? Did he? I, I want to so. say he was always on the Kings bench, though. No, he played a lot of games in Stockton. Okay, maybe. He was like the best that. player in Stockton. Well, Kata might have been the best player, mm-hmm. but technically. but Maybe in Sacramento, he just came up to be the 15th guy. I don't know. He was on the bench decently. Yeah, he, he was. Um... And to be honest about Ellis, when he did come into the game, especially late in the year, there were some moments where it was like, okay, he's not ready. Yeah, and that's how I still kind of feel right now. I mean, he's obviously, he looks a little better this year, uh, at least in the California Classic. But, I mean, he's definitely, you know, a little further along than Kata is. But I, I think Ellis is still a little, I don't know, it's just kind of like, what's your role? Like, what are you going to do? Are you gonna, You're not bringing up the ball, and you're right. not good enough to be a catch-and-shoot guy. So, yeah. what are you going to do? And he is not big enough to play on the wing no. full-time. And I think that's one of the big things for him was, was, like, if he could add more muscle. Again, we're talking about, like, how hard it is to add muscle, so that's easier said than done. But that might have to be a factor at one point. Because he's, what, 6'2"? I think he's, well, no, he's, six, like, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Is he mm-hmm. Keon Ellis? I think so. Is 6'5"? I think so. 6'4", yeah. tops. I think he's 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. No way. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> but um, he's definitely slight of frame. I think he's under easily under two hundred pounds. Might even be okay. Under. Maybe the, he's six three. What? <laughs> it says he's six three. Yeah, uh, it says on Google. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm like no way. Yeah, he's six three. Huh? Well, then you don't need to show me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong. Uh, okay. Well, then that the, yeah. Well, the strict two guard. I mean. That, that is always the issue. And even an undersized two guard with that in yeah. this NBA, for not doing anything exceptionally. I mean, Malik Monk's 6'1", but you can see what he can do at 6'1". And rotationally in these two California Classic games, it was uh, they would pull Jordan Ford out, who's the starting point guard, and then bring Colby Jones in. And Colby Jones got more ball handling duties than, mm-hmm. than uh, Keon Ellis. So it is always a question of that. Um we saw Keon Ellis shoot like 50% from three in last year's summer league. So that's kind of key. But I don't know. Now I have to rethink everything. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he was 6'3". I don't know. I was always under, under the impression that he was 6'5", 6'6". <laughs> yeah, he was always between like that point guard, maybe a shooting guard guy. But I don't know. Keon, I, I mean, his height. That's why I'm, always, that's why I'm like, Ugh, really? I don't know about Keon. If he was 6'6", six, six, sure. Try about that small forward, maybe, but 6'3", you already loaded out that guard spot already. I mean, what, what do you need him to do? Yeah. Just keep pouring water on that plant. And, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, the G League's there for a reason, so just keep developing him. Um, and one of the things that McNair always talks about is just acquiring and holding on to assets and having assets at your disposal. 
So even if he doesn't develop into something that fills a role for the Kings, everybody watches Summer League. People watch the G League. People know about Keon Ellis in terms of front offices, not like casual fans. But, so, I mean, at one point, maybe could be after this Summer League. Well, I mean, he's got the two-way contract with the Kings. So maybe next season, somebody wants to pursue Keon Ellis or something mm-hmm. like that. and You know? Or maybe in a trade, people may want to have him included in some, some, some capacity. So, even if he doesn't necessarily have an outlook to fulfill a role, I mean, you put him on that runway to develop into an NBA player, somebody's going to want him. So, good for Keon. <laughs> Keon jealous. Keon jealous. But you know who's someone that was playing in the California Classic? Only played one of the games that I really liked? Alex Connell. Yeah. He, I mean, he went four for five in the second game, didn't get any play in the first game, but, man, like, he got that shooter's touch. He, I mean, he looked really good. I mean, I'm very excited to watch him in Summer League, honestly, because I feel like, I mean, in the NBA today and just on the Kings, I mean, shooting's at a premium. Yeah. And if you can knock down shots like that on a high clip, or a decent clip, yeah, I mean, do you think he can work his way maybe into that last two-way deal? Yeah, yeah absolutely. If there's an open two-way deal, I, I I would almost say just based off of the two games and granted he only played ten minutes right in the second game. <laughs> yeah, and so ten minutes total in those two games, I would be more inclined to give the kid out of Creighton, um, Alex O'Connell, an opportunity. I mean, he doesn't just shoot; he's got good size to him. Look up his height. I don't want to yeah. <laughs> make a fool myself again. He's like six nine. <laughs> Um, but good athleticism. 6'6". Six, six. Okay, so adequate. Adequate. How, what's his weight? Um, 180. 180. Is that... It's a little thin. I'm going to say it's crazy for the NBA, I guess. No, 6'6". Six, 6'6", six, 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 180. Where are they getting that? Is that from the G League stats, or is that from him coming out of Creighton? Well, this is a basketball girl. reference. Okay. Let me just type in Alex O'Connell weight. Anyways, he's got what it takes to fill some kind of a role, even if that is just kind of an instant offense guy off the bench, which is what he did in that second California Classic game. Uh, great shooting touch, great leaping ability, um, runs the floor, finds his spots on the perimeter. You know, we talk about that Terrence Davis role a lot. Well, one of the things that kind of, like, the Terrence Davis role was not always fitting for Terrence Davis because Terrence Davis is a scorer. And so if you could kind of like break up the Terrence Davis role into multiple people and kind of like, well, you need a scoring punch off the bench. You know, let's say, you know, God forbid, I love the guy, Kessler. Let's say Kessler Edwards never gets his three-point shot to fall next season or something like that. Or you're just, and you're struggling and maybe Colby Jones isn't hitting him or Duarte's not hitting him. You really just need a three-point shot. In specific situations, a guy like Alex O'Connell, obviously, maybe you can somehow find another guy to do it that has NBA experience and can do other things for you on the floor because there's question marks, obviously, about a guy that was undrafted last year, played a year in the G League, and is just kind of like getting us all hyped up and yeah. pent up and excited through yeah. two California Classic games. Still, that I think what you said is always a factor. Shooting is a premium in this league it's 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 an asset that everybody looks for everybody wants it was one of the, the big reasons why the team was so reluctant and to uh cut sam merrill at the end of camp last year and then i kept my neck and all these fellas 
I mean, you always need that white boy you can shoot. That's true, man. I mean, you got Duncan Robinson, Bucks got Pat Connington, going throwing back a little, Warriors GM, Mike Dunleavy, you know, you just need that that sniper who knows his role and going to drain a three. Yeah. Alex O'Connell at least showed it in that second game of the California Classic. As a two-way guy, I mean, why not? Really? Yeah, I mean. It would be fantastic. Again, I mean, there's still, what, four or five summer league games left. I don't really know how many summer league games there are. I think they Maybe even three. There's really not that many. It's a sizable amount. I think it's like five or six. Okay. So, I mean, we'll see. We just be like, yeah. And then he just doesn't hit another three. And one of the things with O'Connor you have to note is that, I mean, like, what was the reasons they did bring two-way guys up? They tried to bring Kate up to fill a role with the the backup vibe. Mm -hmm. They tried to bring Keon Ellison as some defensive help. This is the best offense of the league. How much offensive help do you need? That's very true. So that does come into to, to play, but that's what makes the summer league so important. What can O'Connell show in terms of def- defense? Um, being kind of a making that hockey pass, as McNair likes to say, running the floor, getting on the board, stuff like that. So, I mean, he's got a real opportunity. I think even if like they do intend to give the third two-way to Keita, I think that's a good strategy to kind of withhold it. See, you, see what you can get out of guys. Because, of course, you're going to give it to your recent pick. Of course, you're going to give it to a guy like Keon Ellis, who they probably have a multiple-year plan for in mind. But in terms of a third, if you're going to be granted an extra two-way spot, you might as well just kind of wait and kind of throw that carrot out in front of the... Thing. Is that the expression? The carrot uh, in front of the rabbit or the... Whatever. Uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> The, taunt the dog with the bone, you know? Yeah, there you go. And so, we could produce some good things coming out. Yeah, give him a little incentive. But I think Alex O'Connell was just... He caught Matt Barnes' eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think he caught, I think he caught yeah, everyone's when he, yeah. he heaved that one up into the shot clock. He had to heave one up over a defender, and he threw it up high in the air. He had to change his arc. Just it wasn't splash. a bank or anything. Splash. It was just... And I think that just... I mean... To me, at least, that shows shooter's touch. Where it's like we talk about Davion, like he's not really a shooter. He kind of just has his shot mechanics, and mm-hmm. he tries to make it. Where McConnell, from what I saw, and from him splashing it around that whole game, it's like okay, this guy, he's a shooter. Yeah, he's a shooter, shooter. Yeah. So NBA level for sure. Yeah. Um, be interesting. Yeah. To see what he does the rest of the the summer league. I hundred percent agree. But if we wanted to kind of broaden our scope here to the league and look forward to next season Adrian Wojnarowski kind of reported something that I thought was just stupid <laughs> you hear about that in-season tournament they want to do in December yeah um, I, I don't get the point neither <laughs> do I I mean like the details will be released on Saturday so if you're listening to this after then you're going to know a lot more than we do now but as it stands now it just kind of seems like it fits into that kind of narrative of the NBA being that global league that second FIFA kind of thing and I'm not a big soccer guy but as I understand it they have kind of like interleague tournament play where people will play in during the season sometimes right Tell I, I believe so right. I'm not the biggest FIFA guy um, I know the Champions League exists where the best teams around you know, the world, they mm-hmm. have to qualify and they play or something. I don't know. Sorry. Correct us. But right. But I mean, it so, happens. so to me, this is like, it just seems kind of like a way to get the game out there. Maybe it seems like it would develop into something where they would maybe bring in teams, the best teams from other leagues. 
Because you just see the Metropolitans 92 or, yeah. <laughs> you know, Real Madrid or Olympiacos. Yeah, I mean, or, it is becoming a global game, right. for sure. But as it stands now, for them trying to prep for that, it just, I don't, I don't, what, tournament for what? It's what, set, what do you win? It's you get, set, I you was, get money? You get $500,000. What's that to an NBA player? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe for the two-way guy, it's like, dude. But like anyone else. I mean, yeah. I, I get five hundred thousand. Probably a lot more than we're giving it credit to, even to an NBA guy. But it's like, but yeah, how just much to more? Be clear, I would love to have five hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I would. Yeah, but I, I agree. It's just like really, I don't. It just seems. It sounds like the rule that I was trying to go over. It is that you're going to be broken into five pool, or each each team is going to be put into a pool of five teams. So four other teams. The first six weeks of the season, you're going to play. Each the team in your pool one time at least, and then you're gonna like, have two home games, two away games. Like it's basically like the FIFA World Cup, exactly. Right? And then you get the the two top teams from the pool move on and right. do stuff. And I heard something like some teams are gonna play 81 games, some teams are gonna play 83 games, just based on how the tournament pans out. And I don't, but, but why? Yeah, because there's like a final, and then there's like a, then that takes you to the tournament. So I don't know how many pools is there's how many teams are there? Thirty two? Well there will be one point with thirty right now. There's thirty right in now. The Sorry, the, the basketball and football throw me off. So there's thirty teams, so there's six pools. So there'd be twelve teams that make it if you're taking two from each pool. So it'd be twelve teams. That makes six matches. No, what? You need eight matches to get to the final four. Ah, I mean this is this is the thing. <laughs> this is regardless of what the specifics are. Why? I just keep asking why, and nobody has an answer for me. <laughs> Tony keeps asking why, I don't have an answer for him. I keep asking you why, and nobody's saying anything back to me in this computer right now. This <laughs> microphone's not talking back to me. Yeah, it just seems like a marketing move almost. And I hope, honestly, if it is a bigger scheme to pull in other teams for a midseason tournament from other countries, I'd honestly be more for it, because at least it's like... That'd be kind of interesting. It'd be it'd be. Fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I like. I don't care about a midseason tournament. Like when we have the finals at the end of the year. That's this one means nothing. Like right. maybe to see us play against other teams, see other competition, it'd be enjoyable. Especially maybe in December. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the moment, it just sounds like why. It just seems so obvious that they're setting up for something like that in the future. I mean, like, and maybe you want to go like, well, they should do this tournament at the beginning of the season. I get it. We had Eurobasket last year. There's different tournaments around the, the world that happen in the lead-up to when the NBA season starts, when training camp starts. So it's like that time needs to be reserved for that. So I kind of get why they'd want to do it in the middle of the season. Like you also said, there's like right in the aftermath, the finals probably wouldn't be the best thing for American viewers and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. But it's just like, ugh. I don't know. At this point, again... You might be listening to this. It might already be Saturday. There might be a little more clarity on the situation. It might make more sense. But after Woj's report, it's just like, why? Yeah. What are you doing? Why? Uh, uh, What happened to a normal 82-game schedule? That's back in my day. That was the normal thing. Yeah. You know, that's what we'll be telling our grandchildren. Yeah, last year. Well, not back in our day. They had a (laughs) 72-game in the COVID season, so. (laughs) They had to do a thing at Disney World. (laughs) Yeah, you don't know how that. easy you have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm looking. No, I don't. I want to say looking forward. I'm interested. Intrigued. For sad. Yeah, I'm intrigued. See what happens Saturday, uh, or see what's released on Saturday to see what 
you know, this mid-season tournament really is about. And, me, and I, I would hope, even if they're, like, prepping for something later down the road, I hope they kind of just throw that out there. Just so we're like, oh, well, this is stupid. Yeah, they get $500,000. Yeah, you think Tyrese Halliburton making 40 or 50 million? How much are you making? Like, over 50 million, Yeah, right? maybe 52 a year. 52, yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, he really cares about 1% of his salary. 1%? Yeah, yeah 1%. probably tips the freaking, like, bellboy that freaking <laughs> hotel. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, we have no concept of money. We have nothing. So yeah. <laughs> we have no context what's going on. But um, those are our thoughts on the midseason tournament that uh, seems to be on its way to being here, I guess. Yeah. Let, let us know how you guys feel if you're excited and if you have any more information. Love to hear it. Um, we'll find out more Saturday. That's right. Malika Andrews. They're going to do like a thing with Malika Andrews, so I might watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, I think that brings us to our last topic of the day. Um, you know, John? Is that, was that it? I think so. Well, cool. Um, yeah. You know, it was nice talking to you all again. Free agency happened. I mean, we have some really coming up, but other than that, it might be, you know... Slower couple months coming up ahead of us um, as we get ready for the NBA season to begin in three months. But um, yeah, this is, uh, I guess, Summer League will be fun. Summer League's always fun. There's still potential for moves. Um, whether that means the Kings are probably more likely other teams around the league, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. See if Alex O'Connell gets that last uh, last two way contract. <laughs> the but. juiciest topic of the offseason yeah. is Alex O'Connell. Ayo, Creighton. <laughs> Ayo, Creighton. Alex Ocasio Cortez, AOC. <laughs> Alex, Alex O'Connell, Creighton. Or Alex O'Connell, AOC. <laughs> right there. I guess so. It's AOC, baby. <laughs> Look at that big ass. Look at that big, juicy booty. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but, all right. I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in. And until next time, have a good one.